1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to a lot of basketball. I'm Tom Piccolo. Joining me today are uh, one friend and one kind of stranger. Uh, <laughs> first of all, we got returning co-host Jake Storiali. Jake, how you doing? I'm I'm
2: good. I'm a uh, normally I'm the stranger in these kind of things, but I'm I'm the regular here. I'm a uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm I've got the. Uh, Celtics knicks game in the, the background. The, the Knicks just gave the Celts a casual 20-point lead to start the comeback. So um, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm live from Bowling Green, Kentucky. I should mention that as well. I'm uh, on a work trip of sorts, just seeing the sights. And uh, shout-out to the Hilltoppers, uh, Courtney Lee. Courtney Lee from Western Kentucky. So this, nice. this show is dedicated to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're in Bowling Green. How bad can you be? That's what they say. Um, that's what they always say. Big also Apple joining us, West. that's him, yep. Kevin McGovern. Kevin. So we don't really – we just met right now. But uh, yeah. you're a friend of a fellow podcaster, Greg Poon. You are from Boston College. Kevin, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, good, good. It's a pleasure pleasure to be on board. Calling in from, uh, from Boston, the uh, of the East Coast.
1: Or the Kentucky of the East Coast, as they, they all yeah, call it. either one. Um, yeah. So, Kevin, I don't know kind of your background at all. Did you grow up playing basketball like me and Jake, you know, stud high school players, or well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I think to, uh, to really put myself in a class of, uh, of, of true high school talent, you kind of have to go back to, uh, really where I started in, in elementary school, but, Boring. but no, the, uh, Yeah, you call me a high school player. uh, No no big deal. Captain of my high school team. Um, So,
1: Jake, were you you also were you the the third captain of your high school team here? So I tried out for one basketball
2: team in my life, and I made it uh, the freshman basketball team. And um, I don't care that you guys are better at basketball. So,
1: well, I will say I was on that team with Jake, and he was um, he was kind of like our sixth man off the bench. Quit, had more hard. He was kind of like a Terry Rozier type for you uh, Boston folks. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: <laughs> it.
2: This is, this is going to be our, uh, this is my witty line that I was leading you guys on with. This is going to be our OKC podcast. Like me, me and Tom are kind of Russ and Paul George, and then we brought in this freak show, Mellow, and we're, we're going <laughs> to see if it measures. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's going to, but we're going to let it ride.
0: The wild card that leads it down the path of glory.
1: <laughs> we go. will see if that comparison holds. I'm uh, a little <laughs> skeptical. But so Jake, last time you hosted a podcast, you kind of did these different segments like you do on your Talking Yanks podcast. Definitely. Shout out Talking Yanks. But before we got into the segments, I wanted to first talk about sort of the, the biggest storyline that's happened so far this season and that is Gordon Hayward going down in the first, you know, 6 minutes of the Celtics home opener. So I want to get k KMac's perspective here, how he felt, where he was, how he felt when Hayward went down. Kevin, can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So, uh, ooh, a lot of excitement going into that game, right? It's it's marked on your calendar. It's it's uh, it's the beginning of a new era. Get rid of ship off Isaiah. You know, shout out Isaiah. We still love you. A cast of characters, almost only four or five returners, and 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 you know have big expectations. So I was actually in a bar in New York City, watching the game, and uh, yeah, drinking. The first, were you drinking? Oh, was I drinking? Yeah, yeah I had cool. a had a beer. <laughs> yep, and uh, yeah. Needless to say, the one beer was enough to, to bring me to tears when that all went down. It, I mean, imagine this. You know, Celtics have been good. You know that they, they've been solid since the the Paul Pierce era. Um, you know, competitive. But you've never felt like they had a team to get over the hump. This year, bit of a different story. You've got, you know, you've got a Hayward, a, a guy who can lead you, a, a Kyrie Irving, who's just an absolute stud. And uh, six minutes into that, your heart just gets ripped out. So tough blow, tough blow, but reassuring sign because the first thing Hayward asked when he came out from, from surgery was for a basketball. So if, if that doesn't scream Hoosiers comeback, you know, I don't know what does.
1: I mean Hayward's a hooper, no doubt about it. I heard he asked for a tennis racket.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a big tennis player
1: too. Gordon yeah.
2: Hayward, high high school tennis star.
1: True. Yeah. That.
2: I don't know. I'll I'll give my optimistic standpoint on it. Not not that anybody asks. I like that KMac joins the show know. and we just give him the keys to start. Yeah. You know, here's That's the, the biggest one. topic. <laughs> go get it. Go go get it, Dennis Smith Jr.
1: He's got an interesting um, perspective. He's a Boston guy. Come on.
2: I'll I will say this. I think it's it is really gonna be good for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They're I mean, it's almost like the pressure's off and we were talking about if those guys' minutes were gonna be restricted or not. And now those guys are the guys. And Tom, you and me had a foul argument this week just because <laughs> we we kind of thought we were arguing different things.
1: It was I pretty was, intense. We <laughs> we got you we were hot. <laughs> um, and I,
2: I'm, I, so we won't fully dive into this, but I'm oh, not, a, I'm not a full angel lover. I I think he overvalues his assets a little bit. I think he's great at attaining assets. Um, but that being said, and I guess it's the contrast to last year that I'm, I'm looking at these guys on this bench. I was making jokes with McGovern calling him Tia's cause that's the German guy they've been throwing in the game. But, I mean, I was looking at the guys on this bench, and I didn't realize how thin this team was. I mean, obviously, you lose Gordon Hayward. Uh, Morris hasn't played yet. Smart's nicked up. I get that. Um, I guess it's just the contrast from last year when I'm I'm looking at guys on the end of the Celtics bench saying, I, I wish they were starting for the Knicks. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. I, I think we're going to talk about how it plays out for the East – later in the show a little bit. But I, I think it really is going to be great for Brown and Tatum. I've The the action I've watched Brown play this year, I've liked him a lot more than what he was last year. Um, Tatum's going to be interesting. But um, I, I guess the thing that's – the buildup for me, because I, I think any, you know, any hopes of championship, you know, maybe they still make Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. But the thing that's interesting to me is going to be next year because – All all the credit that um, Ainge did get was, oh, they got Kyrie for two years and they're going to form this super team and now it's going to take off. Now, if something goes wrong next year, now Kyrie's a free agent. Did this whole plan fall apart and now it's the Gordo and Hayward show? Um, Do the young guys develop how they should? So, and uh, yeah, I've I've already said too much, but no, I mean, I'll I'll defend Ainge
1: a little bit. just because Isaiah Thomas, they didn't really have any intention of uh, paying him a long-term contract. He obviously isn't playing this season until after the All-Star break. I think that's what uh, the reports have been. So it's not like they lost a ton of value in, in losing IT to the Cavs. They did obviously give up that uh, Brooklyn Nets pick, which – I mean, the Nets have played well so far, but they also lost Jeremy Lin. So there's you know a greater chance that that pick will be even higher than we thought at the beginning of the season – but, I mean, they also were able to swap uh, Markel Fultz for Tatum and another pick. So they kind of made up for that a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I just – I wasn't ready to start, uh, you know, calling Angel failure because of this start because just the, the situation's changed and the expectations have to change with it. So – and we'll go back to the Celtics a little later. I want to, you know, keep this podcast moving. So the first segment we're going to go for is we're calling it Layups – um, these are just things that have become flat out obvious uh in the first two to four games of the season. You know it usually it's you have to give the small sample size caveat, but I mean there's some things that just jump out of the screen when you're watching and you just can't miss them so um Jake i'll actually I'll start with you here uh what was the first thing that you've noticed in this first week of of games that was just flat out obvious to you? what's your layout
2: i'm I'm because i uh, we we laid out some topics. Um I'm gonna jump over the money one. Let's let's talk Phoenix Suns, because that's what this <laughs> podcast is all about. Talking good quality basketball. Um, I you know, my my bigger fans know I do a Gruden impression where I make fun of Sean McDonough. It's time to bring it to Ryan McDonough because this what's what's happened? We we went from this prospecting young franchise, like the next I don't even know, the next T-Wolves, the next Whatever they are, the a team you kind of want to see. Who who's Dragon Bender? What's Marquee Chris? Um, and now, so the Bledsoe thing comes up, and you're like, okay, this is something I kind of get it. A veteran with all these guys who's kind of underrated. He was what? He was a twenty-five and five guy last year. Twenty-five and six, something like that. Um, so you're saying this this guy's a good player in the league, and now. Like what has happened now?
1: Right, he's in, demanding the trade. There's no yeah, no I, grinders on that team.
2: That's, I gotta tell you what, man. But <laughs> this is so I so it obviously just takes a turn for the worse. Like mass chaos, and you know what you see that in sports sometimes, whether it's the athlete, the organization, the combination. I was literally saying to myself, and maybe one of you guys sent it to me, and it was, you know, how could this be any worse, or how could this be managed any worse? And then the salon situation leaked, which is is mind blowing on both ends of the spectrum, right? Say, so say Bledsoe's being honest. He yeah. So, for people, a- who, so yeah. for people who
1: don't know, uh, Bledsoe's excuse to his GM was that he he had tweeted that. I do not want to be here. I don't know the exact quote. Or maybe you guys have it on you. But uh, he said, I don't want to be here anymore. Yep. And he told his GM he was referring to the hair salon he was at. That he tweeted just about the same time that the news came out that Coach Earl Watson was fired. So, which, which is about
2: grade A Seinfeld humor, if it's the truth. <laughs> so, so now your organization is so poorly run that you assume when your best player tweets, I don't want to be here, he's talking about your organization. Now, the the thing that came back, and I think we're all assuming is the truth because it makes it a lot more sense than the hair salon, <laughs> is that he fully lied and made up the worst lie ever. Ever?
1: <laughs> he, he, trolled. Guess, he, he trolled his DM. That, no, no that
2: was awesome. And then I guess the... Uh, redemption for mcdonough <laughs> mcdonough's like yeah he told us the salon thing and we said no home
0: like he's a, in <laughs> kindergarten he's like no sorry ma'am your son your son told you know he, he told the real Hello, bad lie today so we sent we sent him home
2: so i don't know that's that's pretty much my whole thoughts i'm uh i i would love to know where you guys are at and i mean more importantly i've i've always been a. Uh, trade machine freak so i i, I would love to know what, what you guys are thinking on that
1: that's exactly where i was going to go next kevin i was curious if you have any uh any yeah. thoughts as to where bledsoe could end up with any good fits for him
0: i mean i feel like i to 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 throw it down to new york i feel like the knicks are a good spot for him you're starting ramon sessions as your point guard right Shut now your I, mean, mouth. I feel like that's an easy that's an easy one um but it, i mean it's tough because you know, they, they've already come out with saying that they, they, they want good trade value for blood. So, and in all honesty, you're not going to find it in the market. No, one's going to want a undersized point guard, uh, volume scorer, if you will, um, who's a, who's, who could be a, a, a pain on your team. So it, it's definitely an interesting, uh, it's an interesting time in the NBA. They wanted to kick off the trade rumors way ahead of, uh, the all-star break this year and the, and the trade deadline. So keep it interesting, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I look at it as kind of the Knicks are probably the top uh, top place for him to land. I, I think kind of makes the most sense. Just keep the dumpster fire rolling in New York.
1: Yeah, the only thing is, I don't think the Knicks have any intention of being good this year. And I think, you know, bringing Bledsoe in is just, especially in the East, is going to win them just enough games to not. You know, potentially fall out of the lottery or fall out of the top 10 or just a, a relevant pick. I think Bledsoe probably should go to a team that is, has more hopes of contending. So I'm thinking the Denver Nuggets, right? They're starting Jamal Murray at the point. He doesn't seem to be ready for that role. I, I've just checked out his stat lines the last couple of games. It, it hasn't been pretty. They traded Jameer Nelson uh, or they just cut him. I think they may have just cut Jameer Nelson. Um, who's now with the the New Orleans Pelicans? So the Nuggets' point guard situation is pretty rough. And then the other team that could really use Bledsoe uh, is the Milwaukee Bucks, right? I think they're starting Delhi or um, is, that, is that right? I think they're starting Delhi. But uh, you know, he's a, a good piece off the bench, as he proved in Cleveland a couple of years back. But he is not a starting caliber point guard, especially you know with how well Giannis is playing. We'll get to that in a little bit, but you know th- this is a team that has a chance to make some noise in the east especially with the injuries in boston and uh, i mean blood on milwaukee would would make that team r- real tough
0: now now what about if the uh he ends up getting shipped back home back to the clippers what do you think about that going back and teaming up with uh with Blake Griffin again uh you i mean the point guards you have there are patrick Beveler, patrick beverly and austin rivers well and austin whoa, whoa, rivers whoa, whoa. Oh, oh, and a, a,
2: a lot of Milos Teodosic.
0: Oh, Teodosic. oh, yes, right. Sorry, of course. Friend of the
1: podcast, of maybe. So,
0: if you're listening, sorry, Milos.
1: <laughs> he is, but um, but but I mean, I mean, I
0: I feel like you know there there are some good options out there. Obviously, none of them are going to be real contenders. But for a Clippers team that 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 still wants to be relevant, still wants to be competitive, and kind of needs to keep Blake Griffin happy. Um, with someone that he's, you know, maybe has a relationship with, uh, could be, uh, you know, it could be interesting spot for him.
2: Yeah, I I was reading some of the articles. A lot of the teams you guys mentioned, Cleveland got mentioned. I I could see them absolutely being in the running. I, I think they'd have to give up, like, Shumpert in a first in a couple years, which if you're Cleveland and you really want to make a run at this thing, why not? Um, man, I, I think this is going to get uglier to be completely honest, because I, I don't really see a good fit. I think the Knicks have gone in full tank mode. I was We're, we're going to go back on some things later in the program, our, our takes going into the year. I thought the Knicks were going to be fun to watch this year, and then I forgot that if you play basketball without a point guard, it's not a fun game to watch. <laughs> so um, I, I think they're out on that. Tom, the, the Nuggets would seem like the fit, but they just gave Moutier this whole Pat on the back, Jameer's out of town. You've got the keys. You had a great preseason. I don't think after this few games you pull the rug out from under him. If if the if Bledsoe can't get moved and it's fifteen twenty games in, then I think you go that way. But I I actually like I if I had to pick favorites I'd say Orlando just because it seems like a very Orlando move like we're. We're coming for that eighth spot. We've got Drew Bledsoe. We've got Frank Vogel. What else do we need? Um, outside of that, I I just don't really see the fit. And I was I was laughing at the Woj Woj was tweeting about it today, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, Suns Suns still don't think they're getting proper value for Bledsoe," and it's like, "Yeah, you think? it's uh, <laughs> yeah, because he's at the salon and not playing basketball." So. I, I don't know. I think this is gonna get uglier before I don't I don't think a move gets made soon. I don't think there's a right fit until the suitors he's needed somewhere, whether it's injury or bad play, and the Suns start coming to grips that they're they're not getting. If they get seventy five cents on the dollar, they've done well.
1: All right, well I think we can probably move on to the next layup. I wanna talk quickly about the golden state warriors. I'm, uh, I'm, I had in our outline a Spurs point that I'm just a skip right over. Uh, if you care about my Spurs takes, you can check out my work at pounding the rock SB nations Spurs site. Um, that's a little Love quick that. plug. That's it. Yeah. Nice. A brought to yeah. you by, but, uh, I mean the, so the warriors are two and two, they lost their season opener against the Houston rockets by one. And then they lost, um, At Memphis to the Grizzlies by 10. And I watched that. Mouth guard gate. Mouth guard gate, exactly. And I watched that game against the Grizzlies. And I'll say a few things. I was wholly unimpressed with them just in terms of their effort and their execution. They didn't really seem to be trying that hard, especially defensively. I mean, Mike Connolly didn't even play well. I think he, I don't have a stat line in front of me. I think he was like three for 13. And, you know, the Grizzlies should not be able to beat you when. One of their two good players has an off night. Uh, Marcus All just really dominated um, on both sides of the of the court, and you know, just the the Warriors' bench looked really thin to me. I, Andre Iguodala doesn't quite look. I mean, he, at the beginning of the season, he never looks like the player he becomes in the playoffs. So, I guess my I point think is, I, like it doesn't matter, Kevin. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is. I think this is what people have been saying could potentially be the Warriors' weakness forever, which is that you find a dominant big man, a guy that that can really slow the game down against you, um, try and take really difficult shots and and, and be really methodical. And and the Warriors happen to run into that team. Now it's early, right? It's it's way too early in the season to make make a really broad claim. But I think this is to all the, the Warriors haters out there, kind of a a bit of validation in that um, you know, they think that in a game that they can be slowed down and, and, and really um, dominated at the block or, or with a big, a big man that they can pass and score that the warriors are going to struggle. And I think that's kind of what you saw. It wasn't that Marcus was necessarily dominating from a, a point perspective, but he was facilitating, he was acting as a point forward in that game. Um, And I watched a lot of the fourth quarter there and, and they were running a lot of the offense through him. And I think that's where, um, that's where the Warriors can struggle. You're you're leaning on Javale McGee to essentially guard uh, guard your bigs, or Kevin Durant, or even a Draymond Green, who's has no shot really, kind of taking a a all Gasol in the in the post. So um, I think for all the Warriors haters out there, it might be a little bit of a of a sign of hope, but uh, way too early to, to draw too many too too many conclusions. Excuse me.
2: I, I I know I dominate the mic a lot, so I'm I'm gonna keep this one quick and. Kind of rude to both you guys. Is if if this was a yes or no question, and it was, are you worried about the Warriors' start? Would you say yes or no? No. I mean, uh, definitely
0: it's, not. It's
2: it, it just is what it is at this point. I mean, the, these NBA super teams—they're so good. And dude, uh, I heard a big big windy old Brian Windhorse was dropping stats the other day about LeBron's super team, saying how those first years they got together, he said something like Cleveland was like 19 and 20 out of the gate or something like that, which again, I'm not a stats guy or facts guy. It's, it's something ridiculous like that. But, um, his first year back in his first year back in Cleveland and his first year in Miami, they both got like, like 500 starts for longer than you'd think. So I'm yeah, I'm not, not worried.
1: Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair take. Um, there's, there's really no reason to be, but I will say just that the effort in general is pretty disappointing, but I'm sure that will turn around. Their coach is too good. Their players are too good. So, yeah, I, I guess I wanted to just bring up the two and two start because people are pointing at that and being like, you know, should, you know, are they in any danger of not winning the one seed? But that would be a certainly an overreaction. Um, and then just the, the last lap I wanted to touch on here is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Did I say that right? Antetokounmpo? Out of Milwaukee has Nobody been an absolute knows. close beast. enough, just an yeah. absolute monster. Yeah. I he's think done. I know which one
2: you're talking about on their team,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Averaging 37 points, 11 boards, five assists on 66 percent shooting from the field through four games. I, I don't need to make the small sample size caveat. He's just he's been a monster. He's looked like a monster. Um, what, what do you guys think of him? Is this like is this fool's gold? Is this real? Does he have a shot at winning the MVP?
2: Oh, let me cut off Kevin here.
0: It's yeah, go for it.
2: So we our like a fun topic that we had before the season was who could be the dark horse MVP candidates. We said Giannis, John Wall. I'll man, if I'll I'll give a little hot take. I, I think a little a lot of stuff would happen, but whoever finishes in that two seat the other Kyrie was the fun one to talk about. Whoever ends up in that Eastern two seed, as long as it's not Toronto, I think that's going to be your MVP. I think the LeBron love's falling off. We've got all the other super teams. Everyone's into Kawhi, but I think, I, I don't know. It depends how the West, the West figures itself out. Man, if Giannis or John Wall carries these teams to the two, hell, the one seed, what if Cleveland starts slacking off? like Boston was the one last year. So I, um, I think John wall or Giannis is going to take the opportunity to really, really grab everyone's attention. Cause it's there. Someone has to. So, uh, Giannis is, so my final take Giannis, very good. I play a lot like Giannis, but it's in a five, six frame with five, four arms. So <laughs>
0: it's tough. Well, so so here's my thing on on Yannis. I believe is is the pronunciation there. Uh, you know the guy. The guy has taken almost a hundred shots, and I think he's taken like 85 shots through four games, six of which have been threes. Yes, he is an absolute monster and a total mismatch. But in the the long run of an NBA season, I just have a really hard time seeing that sort of. Output be sustainable. I mean people are just going to sag off him. People are going to crowd the paint They're going to double team him. they'll take the ball out of his hands and They'll beat you. I don't know if there are enough pieces on that team to really support an MVP level run I, I'm not I'm just not sure Russell Westbrook That he can carry that team now granted the east is soft, but I think everyone knows the east is the east is soft. So you know, even if they end up in, in a two seed, is 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 that enough? Um, I, I'm, I'm skeptical.
1: No, I mean you're right. It's definitely something to look out for. Um, I I think Giannis has the the skill to kind of use whenever people sag off him to use that space to his advantage. He's gotten so strong, he's just so long that I, I think that even when people do play off him, he can still take advantage. But we'll see. You know, four games not enough to really make it. That assessment,
2: and um, Kevin y- Yanni is the performing artist. That's it's Giannis, oh, is the basketball yeah. player. So. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yeah, Tom, Jake yeah. Was pumped
1: to tell that one. <laughs> Tom, this, this, is,
2: this is a tough question, and I shouldn't even be asking it. Is there? Because I think Kevin rarely brought up a good point. Uh, you Me know, too? with with, oh, with team with team sagging off players, is there um like is there an advanced stat to kind of track that like. I, I don't know, because that's that's going to be a popular thing for Giannis and a couple of the, these other guys that can drive but not really shoot it. Is is there a way we can, like, measure what they do in those situations or something like that? Did I just stumble into a
1: genius thing? No.
0: Tom, what's on your advanced stat list?
1: Well, I, I think that NBA.com has, like, a player tracking page that you can go through and, like, check to see how players shot when they had defenders X number of feet away from them. Um, that could be something to look at. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I mean it's the g- dude dumps the ball every time, so I feel like there's going to be people around him. But, <laughs> yeah. man, that's, that would be an interesting
1: Yeah, it gets into the weeds a little bit. We'll, we'll head on to our next segment. We're calling this mid-range Jays. You know, mid-range jump shots are kind of my best, my, my forte. But uh, you know, as analytics have told us, they're, they're questionable shots. So these are sort of the questions that we have going forward for this season. The first one I had was watching last season's MVP, Russell Westbrook. I know he's a very polarizing player. Um, Jake has a has a group of Oklahoma City fan friends who worship him. We have another podcaster, Kevin, your buddy Greg, has a kind of a, a lesser opinion of him. So, uh, but. You know, Westbrook's usage last year was an all-time NBA record. It was, he used 40.8% of his team's possessions, which is just ridiculous. This year, through three games, it's just at 28.3. Way lower. It's lower than Carmelo's right now and just a little bit higher than Paul George's. I'm curious if you guys think that Westbrook is going to maintain this level of usage, if he's actually going to cede some of the, um, the possessions to his, to his wings.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna i going to jump wait. Get get it. You want it, Kev? You got it? Yeah. Oh, oh. because I know that you have got the soft spot in your heart for Carmelo, and I don't want that to to uh, permeate this discussion. Nice. How I see it is Westbrook's feeling them out. They're feeling each other out. They all know Westbrook's the alpha dog. We talk, you know, they hear a lot about the alphas in the NBA, and Westbrook is certainly one of those guys. I just don't see this team, not because he wants to dominate the ball, but because I think he looks more for, you know, for wins, for 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 championships, or for at least a playoff run. God forbid. My is this is that early on in the season they're trying to figure each other out? Westbrook's usage is—I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's as high. I, I just you can't take out of his hands and and. Given now that you've got scores on the wings, you've got more people that you actually have to be concerned about guarding, let alone just Andre Roberson and, and his airball three pointers, it, it, it opens up so much more for Westbrook to create that that I almost expects the same voltage. it's just not going to end in, you know, maybe him shooting the ball, it's going to end up with, I think, a lot more assists in, in his pocket.
2: Kevin, I I absolutely agree. I think Mello does have a chance to be the MVP of the league this year, but it's <laughs> it's with so it's the start of the NBA NBA season is so reactionary, right? I mean, we're Oklahoma City is a a thirty five foot bank shot from Andrew Wiggins away from saying, "Wow, look at Russell Westbrook! He passed to Mello at the end of the game, and Mello banged the winner." Instead, Wigwam throws one up from half court, and that's that's it. Now what's going on with this team? Like I was talking about before with the other super teams, they, I, again, I'm blanking on which team it was, but it was like one of those LeBron teams was 19 and 20 or something like that. So, I mean, really until January, December starts rolling around, you can't make hard opinions on it. I um, – I don't know this this team's going to have a lot of good and bad nights, right? I mean, Mello and Russ are two known chucker's. So before they kind of figure it out, there's going to be a couple tough nights. I um I don't know. You you can't be too reactionary with it. You the, the the hot topic, maybe it's not a hot topic, but the topic I've been hearing a lot about is with these super teams, how rotations are going to play because not all these stars technically play their best when they're together. So that's going to be interesting to see if, you know, I I think with Oklahoma city, with Houston, if you want to talk to T wolves, um, some of these teams that just put it together, how they're going to stagger minutes, but yet at the end of the game, you're going to need your best guys in there. So do you really want to stagger those minutes until the end? Because if you want, at the end of the year, you want your best guys playing their best basketball together. So, you know, the only way to get through that is kind of get through the lumps a little bit. So that's that's where I'm at. Tombo? Tombo Dadden?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that Westbrook has heard a lot of the noise around why Durant left. And I could – I mean, he has a lot of incentive. He just signed a big contract. He has a lot of incentive to try and get Paul George – and Carmelo Anthony to stay long-term, I think he really realizes that he needs to make those guys happy. And, you know, maybe it's not his first nature to give up the ball a lot, especially in crunch time, but you saw him do it last game. Like, he didn't go full Russ. He, he kicked the ball out to, to Carmelo because he has capable shooters who he trusts right now. So um, I think he's learned a lot from the Durant situation, and I could definitely see him, you know, being closer to the twenty-five to twenty-eight percent usage uh, versus the, the ridiculous forty number he was at last year.
2: I, I will say the one one thing I left out that I think needs to be mentioned was Russ's fourth quarter slash clutch stats were out of this world last year. I and a, to to a degree that I don't think they're replicable. Is that a human word? So I, I think that's going to be something to watch with his fourth quarter numbers coming back down to earth a little bit along with this team learning how to play together at the end of games, you know, that, that could create a few tense moments. If, if the losses do start um, piling up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, we can uh, move on to the next, the next team we want to talk about is another Western conference, you know, potential player here and that's the Houston Rockets. in the season opener, Chris Paul, their new acquisition, he injured his knee. He still ended up having a lot of assists. Didn't really score so much, and you know it looked like Harden and Chris Paul could could play together in the in the very tiny sample that we got. Uh, they, I mean, they both were able to to get over you know double digit assists, and the offense performed really well. But I'm curious if you guys think that Paul and Harden can work long term and whether the, the Rockets can can be okay without Paul for you know depending on how long this injury takes.
0: Yeah, I think Houston's an interesting an interesting team because you know you need someone like like Chris Paul who's going to be the quarterback essentially of that team alongside alongside Harden. You need these early games together to kind of wear who's going to do what and and to lose you know, a few weeks of that is, 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 could be really detrimental. I mean, you kind of look at it at, at last night, they lose to the Grizzlies again, shout out Grizz. They, they're having a great run, but they lose to the Grizzlies last night in a, in a performance and you kind of look at, at, at that game and, and even in performances to date. And, and you kind of wonder a little bit, you know, how is Chris Paul going to slot in here and, and make this team different or, or make them a, a better contender. Um, It's it's an interesting one. This one I I I struggle with because I don't know, I really don't know how to how to think about how Chris Paul slots in here, Um, taking the ball out of out of Harden's hands as much as as Chris Paul will have to. What does that do to the team, and are they really better in in the long run? Obviously, you're better by adding an All Star, but it's going to be an interesting one to see how they can all kind of mesh together.
2: Yeah, and I I was high on both the teams in that trade. The, the Clippers and Houston because I liked, I liked the Clippers with Blake Griffin taking a larger role because I think he's he's good at that, kind of that point-forward role, and he's been showing it so far. And I thought the funny part to me, which I kind of put together when we were podcasting last time, was Houston basically added an A-squad Beverly. If Beverly's a C plus B-, minus Chris Paul's the A version. Now, the Clippers kind of had the reverse problem going where they had no depth. So the Clippers got this depth, and basically they got a B minus a B- Chris Paul, but they've got Blake Griffin playing what I think is better basketball. So I, I think, again, it's going to take time. I think Houston's going to be really good when they hit their rhythm. And the other thing, the ancillary pieces in Houston, God, I don't know where that word came from. Good word. But I, P.J. Tucker, um, they got Mba Mute, right? Did I dream that? Or, I always mix I him think and, you're right. yeah, no, I no, always mix it I always mix him with uh, some of the other old trailblazer wings. But um man, these, these guys are upgrades from guys that were getting minutes last year. And I think I think the thing that's gonna be interesting and it is gonna be the make or break for this team was they were talking about the at the end of games, this team still plays their chuck and duck offense. It was a a lot of hard end shooting. 33-foot threes, no real ball movement, Um, you know, Ryan Anderson from way downtown. I I think what's going to be interesting is I think the ideal, the dream is going to be, you know, the Houston does their thing for 40 minutes. They run it. Harden's kind of the main point guard. They've kind of been hinting towards that. But I think it's I think towards the end of games they're gonna want Chris Paul Chris Paul to have the ball Chris Paul to have the ball Chris Paul to have the ball. They're gonna want Harden playing off, and they're kind of gonna want to slow it down a little bit if they have the lead. You know they're not shooting these mid thirty foot threes and letting the other team back in it if they're not hitting them. So I think that's what you want to watch if this Houston team takes the next level. Again, I'm I'm still pretty gung ho on them.
0: So.
1: Well, I'm gung-ho on moving to the East Coast here. Uh, Well, at least the Eastern Conference. I want to take a look at the the Cleveland Cavaliers, who just have to be the favorite in the East at this point with the Celtics going down. Uh, They're they're 2-1, and but just having watched them play a little bit, they really haven't looked good. Um, They're not shooting the ball from three with nearly as much frequency. They are missing the threes that they do take. Kevin Love is 1-12. for It's obviously not going to sustain. But, I mean, there have been a lot of – you know, changed pieces here, right? So you've got, you know, you've got Derek Rose, who was in for a couple of games before he went down. Now they're starting Jose Calderon. So, I mean, the biggest thing for this team is how healthy they are coming into the playoffs. But, um, you know, the, mo- the most notable notable switch they've made is Dwayne Wade, who started the first couple of games, will now be moved to the bench in favor of Jr. Smith, who uh, who had been starting the last few seasons. So uh, I think that's a great move for Cleveland. I think Jr. is going to, he really plays well with LeBron spacing the floor um, and playing defense, which which Wade has struggled to do recently. And then, you know, the Cavs need a facilitator off the bench. So, so Wade can be the guy to control the offense against second units and and look good against, you know, reserves. So uh, I think the way the Cavs have looked, you know, through three games, whatever that means, uh, isn't so indicative as of how they'll look going forward. But my question to you guys is, is there a chance – what do you guys think of how Cleveland has played so far? And are, is there any threat to them in the East?
2: No threat. <laughs> Next question. No, it's I, man. I, I I think we're all excited to see Dwayne Wade play that like kind of dynamic point guard role that he's he's fun when he plays, and if he does embrace that, that's going to make them better in the long run. The Ginobili. Um, because they do the well. I think I think Wade was doing it before Ginobili. Well, similar times, but.
1: Off the bench, um, I'm saying Ginobili being that six-man right. facilitator off the bench,
2: right, right, right. Um, and you know they they need J.R. Smith spreading the floor. He was when he was on was when they were at their best during the finals last year. So I, I don't know. I I think it's man these these guys are going to cruise through the East. It's it's just going to be a matter of you know do they go out and make a move like for a guy like Bledsoe? Do they? You know, which old guy is the Darren Williams this year that they can add at the end of the season? And, of course, how does Isaiah Thomas come back? So um, it's it's going to be a big learning curve for this team. They're, they're still going to win gobs of games. Um, again, it kind of depends if Mellow or Mellow, Jesus. If LeBron wants to go out and get that MVP and kind of go for it that way or if he's going to let it brood and be ready for the finals. And from what we've seen the past three years – I think he's just going to let it brood, and you know, if and when they get their shot at Golden State, they're in their best shape to do it. So,
0: yeah, the thing—the thing I found interesting with the Cavs this year is, is I kind of feel like they're—they—they're modeling themselves around some of the older playoff teams of the last few years. I'm trying to, but you—you look at the, the pieces like LeBron and and Dwayne Wade. Yeah, those are staples. You know what you're going to get. Then you've got some older, maybe skilled players, not necessarily as athletic. Kevin Love, I look at you. Uh, maybe even an Isaiah Thomas where, yeah, they're they're great players, but are they the role players? Are, can they fill the needs that the Cavs have, which in, in all honesty, the needs are just beating the Warriors in the finals. So I totally agree. It's going to be a cakewalk in the East for them the interesting piece is going to be figuring out how can they get creative with the players they have and the pieces they have uh, and, and try and create something maybe a, a bit more nuanced, a bit different than than kind of uh, what the Warriors have seen uh, the last few years.
1: For sure. Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking to move into the next segment here, which I, I want it to be kind of more of a rapid fire sort of thing. We're calling this from downtown. Um, you know, sh- shooting the three ball is typically a little – I don't want to say a riskier shop. There's a lesser chance of it going in for it's most of us. It's risky when I'm shooting it, baby. It's risky when Jake yep. shoots it. So these are about young players, right? Where there's more risk involved in some of these unknown, unknown players. So I want to start with your guys' takes on who you think will be. I mean, a week in, who has looked like the rookie of the year front front runner? I know I have my opinion here, but I'm going to start with you, Jake. Well, who just you say, just say
2: your opinion. Tom. All right, say okay. your dirty opinion.
1: All right, I mean, Ben Simmons looked incredible. I, I think I said him. During preseason, he was my pick. Um, and, I mean, he's done nothing to dissuade me from that. He's He had his first triple-double last night. And, uh, I mean, he just looks so good running uh, the offense for them. And, and him and, and um, Joel Embiid together are just going to be just monsters. They're so big and so long and so athletic for their size. It's it's really going to be something, I think, if they can both stay healthy. But, yeah, yeah. Ben is my is my pick. I'm. I'm not giving it to Simmons
2: yet. He has looked good. I still think his shooting numbers at the end of the year are going to look atrocious. Fair. Um, and um, Markel Fultz is hurt. So does that bring the Sixers team down a little bit? Are they not? You know, is this going to be another Sixers ten seed team that people kind of lose a little bit of interest in? Um, I'm not ruling out. Jeez. Whoa! I didn't. I didn't say that. I'll. I'll take him on the Knicks right now. But
0: might be a friend of the podcast. You never know.
2: Ideally. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of in on, uh, I'm I'm in on Sir Lonzo a little bit. And guys, if you sleep on Laurie Markkinen, you're making a mistake.
1: (laughs) He's looked good. No joke. I I did watch him play against the Spurs and, uh, he was the only one doing, I mean, the the Bulls scored 77 points, but I, I mean, Markkinen was the only one doing anything worth, I mean, he's the only one who looked like he was an NBA basketball player. So for a rookie, that's saying something. He looked he looked sharp for sure.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm going to go a bit of a different route. I'm going to still go out to the to the West Coast this time though, and I'm I'm going to look at De'Aaron Fox. Um, I think a bit of a sleeper out there, but he's on a, a a relative. They've got a good mix of players out there. They've got some young talent. They've got some old vets. You got Vince Carter out there. You got Zach Randolph out there you've got guys that that are experienced guys that that at least from the perspective of events carter kind of want to educate the youth and 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 give back a little bit and i just love his skill set i mean he's played he's only averaged about 15 points so far this season but he's looked great he's fast he's by far he's he's got john wall type speed that kid that kid is light, lightning fast um, i just i like the way he plays he can shoot it Um, it's not super consistent yet, but again, it's early. And I think, uh, with the pieces they have around them on a, on a somewhat of a softer team out West, he's going to get a lot of opportunity. He's already getting 30 minutes a game. So, um, depending on how he develops, I think he could be, uh, could be a sleeper pick for your rookie of the year.
1: I'm a big Darren Fox fan, so I could definitely see where you're coming from there. That's I think he's a good pick. He's a good pick. He's gonna be a good player for a long time. And um yeah, the Kings needed a guy like that. So
0: big oh, that- fan of Dragon Ball Z too. He's he's if I don't know if you saw him uh, a couple nights ago screaming uh Kameha after he shot uh shooting a jumper. I
1: That's did see dude. that. Uh are you a Dragon Ball Z fan,
0: Kevin? I, I'm not, but I'm told the young kids these days were, were really impressed by it. So Well my
1: last name is, is Piccolo. And so he is a character in Dragon Ball Z. So oftentimes, oftentimes, Dragon Ball Z fans will approach me and they'll say, "Oh, like you're, like the green guy from, from from DBZ," and I'll have to, you know, I mean, and I know a little bit about that. So um, fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, welcome to
1: a lot of Dragon Ball Z. We're your
2: hosts. Uh, the the other thing I I mentioned I mentioned my, I guess he's my boy now. I'm I'm in on Lonzo. I'm it's official. I'm I'm over his dad stuff. I like that he ignores it. And I, th- I think it was funny. Everyone was talking about how he got bullied by Beverly. But I, lo- I love Beverly, and you love that defensive intensity. And everyone was like, oh, man, Lonzo's going to get his this year. And, yeah, he's a very young point guard. <laughs> man, I, th- I, I think what kind of got ignored is, dude, I think Beverly's going to get his <laughs> sooner than later, <laughs> like maybe next year. Like I- And so the other thing that might maybe prevent Lonzo from getting the MVP is that the dude's, from the, rookie primo, of the year. primo Primo skill is his passing, right? And when you pass, it depends who you pass to. And dude, I you know, there's some fun guys on on these Lakers. I don't know if this is a hot take or not. I might take <laughs> Kuzma over Ingram right now. Dude, Seriously. Ingram looks, yep, Ingram looks that. bad. Ingram looks like if you went into like um a bizarro world. And like, that's how Kevin Durant played. Like he, like he wants to be that, but it just looks so unnatural. Like right now it just feels like he doesn't have a spot on the floor where he feels right. I don't know.
0: No, it's definitely. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah I, I agree. And, and I mean, you gotta be worried if you're magic because that, that's, that was a big investment. You have big plans for the future of this franchise and if at, you know, someone like that, that 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 you thought would space the floor for you, be able to run in transition, and and, and be a perimeter defender, a guy that could be a bit of your glue guy—I mean, he's just looked—he has looked terrible. Um, just to put it to put it, Frank. So I'm, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm nervous about about how he's kind of progressing so far.
1: All right, guys. So that's going to take us into our last segment of the pod here, and we're going to call this one backpedaling backpedaling uh it's it's kind of like anything you thought coming into the season that you already know or think is wrong that you wish you could take back um jake you you suggested this segment so i think you have something in mind yeah i i i had a couple things come to
2: mind the number one thing that jumped out was we were talking about the bottom of the west and i kind of wrote off the grizzlies due to star power in the west now more or less man they And you, I'll I'll give you credit, Tom, you talked about kind of the organization and that, I I feel like that gets overlooked in basketball, especially with these super teams, this, that and the other, you know, you you think about it more with football, like teams like the Patriots or the Packers, you know, they, they always bring in the right guy, blah, blah, blah. They fit the system. Man, that's, at a certain point, you got to give Memphis credit, right? Like Conley can ball, Gasol can ball. They just get the best out of them. Pretty much, so uh, I'm giving Memphis some love. I that I, I thought they were going to take a big fall in the West this year. I, I I think I'm now wrong on that. The other thing I mentioned briefly earlier in the show was I thought the Knicks were going to be fun to watch, and I was horribly wrong on that.
0: Case in point tonight versus the Celtics. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think for me, I think the, the big thing. Well. As a Celtics fan, the big thing I thought was, you know, having a really competitive team on the floor that had Finals aspirations. I, I can't even come close to that now. The Cavs are going to have a cakewalk through the East, and so that that's tough. That that's an easy one uh, to to backpedal on. But I think the one thing I I, I did want to bring up is that there is some really good young talent in the league right now, and and. You know, you got guys like Duran and LeBron that are getting a bit older, and, and they're definitely at the prime of their career and the cream of the crop, but the future of the NBA is bright. There are some great young players out there that are going to at least make regular season games exciting. Yeah, everyone knows and pretty much thinks that the Warriors and the Cavs are are going to have cakewalks through both, both of their uh, respective divisions. But, man, there are some great young players to watch where – you know, now I look at the Celtic schedule and I say, I want to go to the, the 76ers game. I want to go to the Bucs game. I want to see these games and see some of this young talent that uh that you know, in the past I'm I'm only really holding out for a Warriors or a Cavs game. So it 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 it's backpedaling a bit. I think I've got a bit more confidence now in in, in the bottom half of, of the league and and just general interest in the league. And uh it's something I think that's gonna be pretty exciting this year.
1: All right, guys. Well, I think that's a, a good place to end it. I mean, that we. Tommy, I, I didn't hear you back, pedal babe. Why? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I don't like to admit when I'm wrong. I mean, I, I guess one thing I will give is uh, I kind of figured that the Spurs would not really be contenders in the West. I just we kind of talked about it a little bit with just all the talent out there, and I mean, this team has not had Kawhi Leonard for a single game. They're three and zero, and I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge has looked like a, a beast on both ends after getting his contract. Um, that was the one I forgot. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, if he's able to keep up his, you know, field goal attempts and his usage rate when Kawhi comes back, because obviously he demands a lot of possessions. Um, but uh, you know, other guys, you know, they've got the, the Murray, DeJounte Murray, who's looked incredible. I mean, as a, as a two way point guard, he's long. I mean, he's, he's got freakish long.
0: wingspan. Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, there's just like, uh, with that perimeter defense of uh, DeJounte Murray, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, I just don't know how you can get any penetration on this team. And it's, an, it's a team that still plays two traditional bigs in Gasol and in Aldridge, who are both, I mean, big enough to protect the rim. So, I mean, defensively, that's going to carry them along to a lot of wins during the regular season. Again, I mean, if everyone's healthy, they've got a shot to challenge just about anybody in the West. But I think my expectation of them was a little lower, just because people doubted the Rudy Gay signing, and he's looked amazing—just more healthy or healthier than anyone's expected—a six-man of the year candidate. So, um, I
2: I I frequently call LaMarcus Aldridge and Al Horford a sea cow, and (laughs) if you haven't seen LaMarcus Aldridge going at Serge Ibaka, you need to watch that. That was badass. Um, and, again, stealing both your points, because that's how you should end a show, uh, the young guy stuff is awesome. Beverly going at Lonzo, Draymond, and Dennis Smith Jr. Like, that, that's, that's really good stuff for the league. And I, the other thing that when we were going through this, one guy whose name we, we haven't mentioned, or you have mentioned him briefly, Joel, yes. Embiid.
1: Oh, sorry.
2: Joel, Joel Embiid, Joel Joel calling out every big man he plays and saying, "I'm going to murder you." Amazing, that's
1: just amazing. Awesome.
2: When when have we seen that in the league? Who, like, it's like, uh, I know Tom, you were comparing him to some all time great bigs before the year, but like, that's like a Kobe mentality in a big man. It's, I mean, that's it's wild. It's awesome to watch.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, we're just one weekend, but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun season, no doubt.
0: That's for sure. That's for sure.
1: All right, guys. Well, thanks for, uh, for all the time here. This is some good stuff. We'll, we'll check back in later in the season, right? Yeah, subscribe. We're, we're going to try great. to do this
2: weekly. Every every Wednesday morning it should come out. So Yeah, you we've like, got
1: uh, two, two different podcasts on the channel. We've got Talking Knicks for you Knicks fans, and then a lot of basketball for just the general b-ball fans. So, yeah, subscribe on iTunes.
2: A lot of basketball. All
1: right. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Kevin.